That for me was a, a Palm Sunday moment. That changed for me my impression of Palm Sunday. The living Word of God present and the response of the people. And here you see for them this written Word of God. Finally, in the language not just of humanity, but now in their own language, this written Word which will, will um, open up to them which will reveal to them, which will show to them the living Word of God. And did you see the response? Did you see the emotion that was there? This, this was important. This was significant to them. The response of the, word of, of the coming of the Word of God to them created a, a joyful abandon of worship. A joyful abandon of themselves into worship to the God, to the Lamb, who is worthy. In, our, in, in the passages before us this morning, we're going to see a similar comparison. We're going to see what difference it makes when the Word of God comes to us. It is to make a difference. And it's not just, this isn't just a book. It's not just things to know. It's not just something that God dropped in from heaven. He mailed it to us or emailed it to us as a text message, if you will. No. God has shown to us here himself. And it's intended to make a difference. I want us to read now, and as we read these few verses, we'll be turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As I read these verses, I want you to listen or to look as you follow along in your Bible. I want you to watch for the connection between learning and living, between hearing and a changed life. Look at the difference the coming of the Word of God should make. We'll start in, 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 in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Now the, now the passage, I, I should say, the passage comes in contrast to that description that Brian unfolded for us last week. There we heard that in the last days there will be difficult times, there will be evil times, that, that there will be many who will go from bad to worse. But that wasn't a passage that was intended to put a guilt trip upon those who believe. It was a passage that's actually intended to contrast that you and I are to be different. You and I are called different. You and I have been given life in order to be different, and there's a means to that difference. The new life that, that God gives us, the food for that, is here in His Word. Look at verse 10. That contrast comes out. You, however, know all about my teaching my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering, the kinds of things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and, and, and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired, and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is a purpose, there is an aim that God has given us His Word, that God has shown Himself to us in this 
Word of God. For Paul, it was more about content. It was more about stuff you should believe. For Paul, he said, people are going to go from bad to worse, but you are going to go from bad to better. You are going to go from bitter to forgiving. You are going to go from having been forgiven to being forgiving toward others. You are, you are going to go from, from, from receiving to those who are giving to others. There is a change, there is a transformation that is in us that we are different. It's not just about that I believed once. Or that I'm, I'm, I'm confident of somebody because, well, one time I know they believed. He says here, Christian, continue in it. Continue in that which you have learned. What? Knowing who you learned it from. You see, the thing you learned and the who you learned it from that you saw in me. That's true. Timothy had seen these things in, in Paul. What he had seen in Paul made a difference to him. It gave him confidence in that which Paul had to tell him because of what he saw in Paul. It wasn't just Paul, was it? Continuing these things that you have learned, knowing from whom you have learned it, verse 14, and then verse 15, how from infancy, how from childhood, like the family Bible worship that, that was demonstrated for us this morning, and the, uh, the, 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 that method that the Rosenbrocks use, and I think that they're suggesting could leak into our homes as well. That, that from childhood, Timothy, long before he met Paul, he learned the Word of God. Who did he learn it from? He learned it at least from grandmother Lois and from his mother Eunice, Right? He learned it from them already that as a child, seeds were planted in what he learned and what he saw in the living out of faith by others. Those around him, as they lived out, as they modeled faith, it made a difference in Timothy. The choices that Lois made made a difference for Timothy. The choices that Eunice made, his mother, made a difference to Timothy. The choices that Paul made to endure suffering, hardship, to give of himself for the sake of the gospel, Paul saw it, or rather Timothy saw that, and he followed in it as well. Continue knowing from who you have learned these things. You have learned the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. The word of God came to Paul and changed him. The Word of God came to Timothy and changed him. He says, continue in it, Timothy. The Word of God has come to us. Does it make the kind of difference for us as it did for those people? Do we anticipate the same kind of food for our souls as did they? There in that video, there on Palm Sunday, our worship our, our, our worship reveals our response to the Word of God. Our faith is best shown. The genuineness of our faith is best shown by a worshipful response to the Word of God. Now, what, what I think the core of this passage, verse 16, describes how that response occurs. 
It mentions four things about the Word of God, four things that it does, four things that ought to be our experience, and you're going to hear me say over and over again that we need to give ourselves to the Word of God. We need to be in the Word of God. How do I do that? What will it look like? I just sit down and mark some time and fill out something on the clock or the calendar that says, yes, I read the Bible, and if I read my Bible and pray every day, I will grow, grow, grow. And you sit, sit, sit. And you think, what? how can this be different? How can my experience be more like theirs? Because you hunger for that, don't you? Something in you that wants more of that. And there's four verbs in here, four action words that tell us this is what the Word of God should do. This is how we will respond because this is what the Word of God, God should do. Look at verse 16 again. Those four things that God's Word should do. It says that God's Word is useful, it is profitable, it is effective for four things. For teaching. We should learn something. There's something that it will tell us that we need to know. But more than that, the Word of God rebukes us. It confronts us. The Word of God will correct us. It will direct us towards change. And the Word of God will train us in righteousness. It will instruct us. It will show us to walk in this way. Let me put it a different way. For those who believe, the Word of God tells us truth that confronts our sin, that calls us to make changes, and shows us how to walk with him. If Jesus showed up at your house tomorrow morning as you were starting your day, if Jesus showed up at your house and had 30 minutes to spend with you, what do you expect would happen? If the living word, Jesus Christ, came and spent quiet time with you, he would tell you something you need to know about him. He would show you something of himself. He would, he would, he would give you promise. He would, he would show you something more, something a little deeper and fuller of he and God's own character that would strengthen you. He would teach you something. Chances are, if Jesus showed up in your quiet time, he would confront something. Chances are he would rebuke you. Chances are he would put his finger on my chest and say, what is this? What is this you are harboring there? Jesus wouldn't just be knocking me down, though, if Jesus showed up in my quiet time. Jesus would also be, don't do that. No, no, no. Come on. Turn around. Go this way. Don't keep bumping. and Go this way. He would correct me. He would direct me to change, and he would show me how I frail human that I am, could walk in his righteousness. That's what would happen if it could happen that Jesus showed up in your quiet time, if the living word were really there. What I want to present to you this morning is that he should show up. You should have in your time in the Lord every day, that time you should spend with the word of God that shows you God himself, that is a translation, if I may, of God in our language. The written word of God shows us the living word of God, which is the revelation of God himself to humanity in your own quiet time, in your own corner, for maybe 30 minutes tomorrow morning. If that were to happen, 
I want to suggest that tomorrow morning what it could look like is this. Spend time. Spend time in the Word looking for truth that it teaches you that you need to know. How do I get something out of the quiet time if God's Word to me, His revelation to me is supposed to make a difference? If it's something that I should continue in, if it's supposed to change my life, how does that, how does that happen? Spend time in God's Word looking for something it tells you. Some promise. Something that it shows you just about God. God is like this. Something you and I need to know. Spend time looking in in, in, in God's Word, expecting it to confront you. Look for something in God's Word that convicts you, that rebukes you, that says that cannot stand. In your quiet time, Spend time expecting, looking for a correction, looking for the word says, don't walk here, walk there. Stay away from there and do this. Look for places where God's word. This is not just about getting through your yearly Bible plan. This is about hearing from the God of the universe who has something to say to you about how life can be. You see, when the word of God came, It wasn't about status quo, was it? When the Word of God came, He called for change. He disrupted things. It got messy. He upset the apple cart. He knocked over the tables. When the Word of God came, there were some who were all for the status quo. There were the Pharisees. I think they were standing over here as it was laid out for us this morning. And the Pharisees said, said, you know, teacher, teacher, tell your disciples to be quiet. You know, this is getting kind of loud. It's getting kind of uproarious. This is getting to be sort of a disturbance. What are the Romans going to think? Who cares? Who gives a flip what the Romans think? Who, gives a cl- who cares what the pagans think? Those who do not believe. Our Jesus has come. The Word of God has come and shown us God Himself. What are we going to do with that? Oh, I want to hear from Him. I want it to change me. Read expecting Read looking for ways that the Word of God directs you into His righteousness. How in my life can I step into the life of Christ? How in my life can I live in that righteousness that describes, that shows what God is like? If God is gracious, how does God's Word call me to be gracious? If God is forgiving, how does God's Word call me to forgive? If God is loving, who would I empty myself for. Look for ways that God's Word calls us. It's not just, oh, look, that's there. Look what Jesus did. What does that have to say about what I could do by His strength in me? How long does that take? How long should I read then? If this is the Word of God, if we need to give ourselves to it, what would devotional time look like? Maybe it was 10 minutes, you got 10 minutes. Maybe it's 30 minutes. Maybe it's an hour. Have you got an hour? Forget the time. Do this. In your time, in God's Word, read until God tells you something. Read until God teaches you something. Read until you say, there's my God. Look, that's what's true about Him. Read until God gives you some truth, teaches your soul something you need. Or, make it easier. This will be easier for a lot of us. Read until it rebukes you. 
Read until you find that uncomfortable moment. You see? Because we're torn here. We don't want the uncomfortable moments, but neither do we want to spend the next six hours reading. So relax. Open yourself up. Say, okay, I will take, I'll take a hit here. I'll take one for the team because i got to get going with the rest of my day. I will open myself up and I will hear what it is that God has to say when God himself would rebuke me, his child, in love. Look for something where God calls for change. Read until God shows you something that should and can be different. Keep reading until you get a glimpse of how you could take a next step in following Jesus Christ in godliness. It's not a matter of how much you read. It's not a matter of how many chapters. You might get all of that in the first two verses and say, wow, I'm done. Because packing in more volume doesn't matter nearly so much as what you do with what you've been given. We have been given the very word from God. Oh, it might come in a long, extended treatise. It might come in a few sentences. If Jesus came and met you tomorrow morning, he wouldn't have to say a lot to say a lot. The point is, will we listen to what he says? That written word which you hold in your hand is your introduction into the living word, the very living word of God. This is how you and I will know him. That's why he's given it to us. That's why he's given it to us. You and I can live in Palm Sunday. You and I can have a Palm Sunday moment. You and I can, in a sense, join that parade that, that, that we can respond to the presence of the word of God before us like those people. It's, it's a response in joy when God shows us something about himself. It's a response of, of humility and conviction when God rebukes us. He, he, he rebuked even Peter, didn't he? He even told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And Peter was close. Don't be afraid of his rebuke. His rebuke is intended to draw you close, to draw you closer. We can have our Palm Sunday moment in worshipful abandon in joyful response to the Word of God. That's Palm Sunday. How do we respond to the presence of the Word of God? Now, I've talked about devotions. I've connected Palm Sunday and this passage of the living Word of God into the time you spend in it, and yet I know you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. Anybody not busy? We need some people to do some reading for us. No, no, you're, you're all busy, but, but, if Jesus were coming tomorrow morning, you'd make time for him, wouldn't you? Sure you would. If Jesus were coming, you'd make time. You'd clear whatever it took on the calendar. My point is this. Jesus is coming. Jesus has shown himself to you. The living word shows himself to you by his spirit in this written word. We need to give ourselves time for it. As much time as it takes for us there to see him. Invite the word of God to teach, to rebuke you, to correct you, to show you his way. Those on the road 
to Jerusalem that morning, Palm Sunday. You know what that was? That was a foretaste of future. That was a foretaste of glory together in the presence of the living Word of God. There is a day coming. There is a day coming when we will glory in worship together in the presence of the living Word of God. We will be gathered around His throne in His very presence, learning from Him, responding to His presence in joyful abandon of worship. Tomorrow morning could be like that. You will be a foretaste, if you will, of that day in His presence when you open those pages and say, Lord, meet me here. Show me yourself here. Rebuke me, if you will. Correct me, for I need it. Lord, lead me in your everlasting way because I want to walk down this road with you. I invite you to show, to show you his way. Don't delay. You know, I talked a lot about tomorrow morning. Last thing I want to tell you, don't wait till tomorrow morning. Start a habit today. Sometime this afternoon. It's Sunday afternoon. There is no football, men. March Madness is over until tomorrow. And Kentucky's going to win, so don't worry anyway. It's done. You've got this afternoon. It's kind of rainy. You can do one of two things. You can go rake moss, or you can find a, a chair. Maybe grab your spouse and bring them near. And together, meet with the Word of God. Don't delay. Start today. Let's pray. Father, we look at Palm Sunday and say, wow, I wish we could be there. That's one of those big moments in the Bible that we would want to join into. And Lord, one day we will. One day we will be in the presence of the King. One day we will bow in worship before you. Oh, Lord, would you give us a taste of that day today? Would you give us a taste of, of being in your presence, in, in the Word of God, and there as you teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and instruct us. Father, there we'd have a taste of what it is to be in your presence. There we would know something of our Lord's presence in our own lives that we could continue in. Oh, Lord, do that, not only tomorrow morning. Father, would you give the people here in this church, give us a taste of that even today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.